are in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod. Bridget Quinn, who is very hard to get in the Grotto Pod, is here today. So not true. I know, that is not true. Uh, Bridget Quinn is a celebrated best-selling <laughs> author with many obligations. Best-selling. Yep. I, on the other hand. None of them paid. Have few obligations. <laughs> hey, let's change our motto. Tell everybody what you say. If it's just because there's no money doesn't mean there's no work. That could be like the writer's motto. It could. If right we, like, there. We could, you know, like form a union, get a T-shirt with someone holding a hammer on it, and uh, that could be our motto. Just because there's no money doesn't mean there's no work. San Francisco Writer's Grotto. <laughs> Just because there's no money. Doesn't <laughs> that might be what I leave us with today. There's no work. Take that to the bank. So yes, very, very, majors. very busy on my end. But and you carved yet. out a little time. Uh, today we're hosting <laughs> yes. the delightful uh, Mary Ladd. Oh, she is so delightful. Think about this. When you think about Bay Area literary power couples, mm. you think Michael Shabon, Ayala Waldman. You think yep. uh, Michael Lewis, Tabitha Soren. You know, I just found out recently that he was married to Tabitha Soren. Apparently, I'm the last person. She was on my mind because as I was walking here, I saw there is. a sign for her. She did a photography show. She's a photographer now. She did a photography show at City Hall that was like a oh. baseball themed. Oh, that sounds good. What about Dave Eggers? Dave Eggers and his wife, who I can't remember her name, but she's also Jewish. and A writer. Mary Ladd and Oscar Villalone. Yeah. I know they're and they're so cute. I know you probably shouldn't say that. They're so talented and talented, and they're FOGs, friends of the Grotto or Grotto members. Yes, Mary's a Mary's a Grotto member. Oscar, I would say, is an FOG. Yeah, he's a fog. Uh, And I could hang out with Oscar and talk about sports and music, and it would just. I love talking to Oscar because it's like revisiting the eighties in Mm -hmm. my favorite way. Best part of the eighties, right? Right. Which the we did part, in our last episode with Ma hard. Shane Wynn a little bit, too. Oh, I loved that, too. Oh, my gosh. If you have not listened to the Ma interview, you've got to talk. Please do. Talk. you got to listen. Please do. If only for the obscure 80s Los Angeles area oh, music she's so awesome. Mary has had an unusual, I would say, kind of an interesting, colorful career arc. Mm-hmm. An unusual career arc. Um, she began her career. Uh, and, I, you know, I've, it's funny. I, I Googled her. As, as one, you do. As one does. And can I just say, I really loved the band uh, thing of Moz that you found when you Googled. That was great. That uh, was awesome. We should guys, put that up. Yeah. We should tweet that out. Just we so. got to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I found some old you know, interviews with Mary when she was starting out, and, and she was really on a trajectory to become, I wouldn't say an entertainment writer, just really a food writer. She was writing a lot about food. And Wasn't she? I, this has just come to my attention that she was kind of known as a party girl. She's kind of a night. She was a nightlife writer. Really. Yeah, I don't she, mean party girl like right, uh, uh, drunken, like, but I just mean like yeah, Paris Hilton type. No, of thing. no, like smart and vivacious and in the scene. Right. There's actually someone uh, who does that sort of thing, kind of now named Daisy Berenger. I don't know if you've heard of her. I haven't, but Daisy is an excellent name for a fun nightlife writer. My guess is that there are a lot of young men in San Francisco who are in love with Daisy Berenger because not only does she write about nightlife, but she writes about the 49ers too. Oh my God, Dream Girl. So she did a lot of SFS stuff, but so did Mary. Mary did SFS a long time ago. Oh yeah, she was an SFS writer, yeah. I mean, a, like a contributing writer. And she's written, you know, for uh, Seven by Seven, Bang, the Barian News Group, the Chronicle, SFGate, uh, the Weekly. Really, a strong local presence. Oh, totally. You know, she has her own gig now. She does. She does her own stuff, which I admire and I think is very cool. I want to talk to her about that. And we're going to get to that. Yeah. So this is Mary was sailing along with us, the go-to girl for SF information. I took that uh, quote from somewhere. Oh, I, I can tell by the way you said it. that. And then a few years ago, Mary gets bad news. Yeah. This happens. She gets uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. And it's been a long road. And I'm really interested to find out. It appears that that diagnosis and that experience has changed the trajectory of her writing career as well as her life. I mean, I think it would have to. It would have to. I mean, to. if you were awake, if you're like an awake person, that's going to change you. Right. But you also are faced with a decision. You know, she could have probably just kept going like, all right, well, I'm just still going to be a food writer, even though I probably am nauseous all I the time. I think she still does write about she food. Is. I just want to say, yeah. But so in the wake of this diagnosis, she uh, started a blog called The Wig Report. Yeah. Did, which was is, it a graphic novel as well? Uh, there is illustrations. And I think the original idea was that it was going to be a graphic memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's still in the works. We've got to find out about that. Yep. 
Uh, and has really, and and she has, well, and tomorrow night, you, this will, well, this will be in the past by the time you I hear know, this. it's a bummer, because people, anyone can go. She Well, I'll let her tell you she's hosting um, an event. Yes. And I think she's really defined herself. You know, a lot of Are people... Are you reluctant to say the word nipple? Yeah. Okay. Because um, that's part of the event. What you'll, what will be revealed... Nipples. Uh, <laughs> What will be revealed in this podcast is just how squeamish I am when it comes to the human body. Wow, I could say nipple all day. It just makes me think of a guy whose nickname was Nippleopolis. Really? You knew someone like this? Yeah. Was it because of his nipples yeah. or his... Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I think not. What is interesting to me is, as I started to say... I'm thinking of Warren Zevon, who, you know, really? had a mesothelioma. The one, oh, but that, he sort of defined himself in how he dealt with it. Now, granted, his mm. was terminal, but he dealt with it with humor and right. grace and dignity. And Mary is really taking the same road. Um, I think her um, prognosis is much better. Yeah. I mean, humor, grace, 100%, and a kind of dignity. But what I love about Mary's dignity is it's a little bit like, here it is, man. Yeah. Just like, yeah. this is what it's like, and so this is what you need. So if you to be squeamish like me, yeah. suck it up, pal. For example, yeah. the nipple thing is yeah. that, which I did not know, after you have breast reconstruction surgery, you need to have, you have no nipples. Yeah, I learned that. And so, um, and it's expensive, and I think it's not... Uh, paid for by insurance, and you have them basically redrawn on by a tattoo artist. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think this is actually really important for people to hear the stories. And it's important. I mean, I, we don't, we could, we need to stop talking and get oh, her yeah. in here. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I'm interested in seeing how this defines her as a writer. Yeah. And how she has dealt with this and what's in the future. And I know she's also come up, you know, she's, and, and also like a lot of us uh, who are not best selling authors. She is exploring ways to make a living as a writer. That Absolutely. That will be interesting for all of you to hear. So we've gone on too long. Yes. Let's go get her okay. and bring her in here. All right. Mary Ladd, welcome to the Grotto Pod. Hi, everybody. I love being in here. Oh, I love that you so brought nice. the largest coffee mug I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I drink like twelve cups of water a day. Got to have oh, it water. with me. Yep, and it's a must. Out, you drink it out of a of a coffee mug? Yeah, why not? Oh no, yeah. well, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. Now Larry's drinking. No. But Larry's drinking out of plastic. Plastic. I I want to plastic shame you right now. I know. Feel free. Feel free. One bottle every month. Just get a recyclable. Oh, you use it. You just reuse oh, yeah, it. Totally. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were shaming me about the the whatever PCBs that, leaching that into too. my. That too. You're getting bad. the phthalates in your system. No, it's, it's not phthalates. It's what causes female hormones in your body, dude. Don't. Yeah. You should. Maybe I'll grow hair back then. No, mm. you're boobs. You're, right? Yeah. Okay. Man, boobs. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I don't think will happen. All right, well. Okay, and, and audience, oh, since not? you heard the intro, now you know how far I can be pushed before I'm going to change the subject. I said <clears> nipple <throat> more than once. You did. And it, it was like, he's stressed out. It <laughs> makes people cringe. They don't want to say it, and they won't look you in the eye when they say it. It's funny. It's not a word I find off-putting. I think scrotum is more... <laughs> Yeah? Well, it's a weird yeah. word. Right? Yeah, it's also not a word people are going to run around saying. Well, not nibble either. Scrotum, I feel, is used for more jokes. I, I don't oh, think of it right. as a... Yeah. Yeah. Well, since we're here, let's start with the tomorrow night's uh, yeah. event. Yeah. It's a nipple release party. It's at the okay. makeout room. Um, great combo. Great combo. We have some folks from the grotto helping out. It's... I'm, I would like to celebrate, I was diagnosed in 2013 and I had my final, uh, what should be my final procedure. And, uh, you know, I'm not in active treatment. I'm not getting chemo right now, but, um, after I got my mastectomy and I did the mastectomy, I should say, because it's basically a tummy tuck. So I lost like 25, 30 pounds. No really? Yeah. Way. Is I that was, true? Oh yeah. They're like, it's a tummy tuck and, and it's covered by insurance. Nice. Yeah. Um, but we still had a pretty high deductible yeah. to me. Yeah. 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 And but you had to do that anyway. Had to do yeah. it. Um, I could have been just flat chested, but, um, which I was pondering, you know, be like artsy lady wearing black, wearing yeah. like dramatic, yeah. but, um, I'm, I was glad with the results. However, it does leave a ton of scars and they weren't able to spare my left nipple. So um, it was possible to go back to the surgeon's office and get uh, a tattoo from the physician's assistant. 
However, you can go. I found a woman named Kathy Locati at uh, Final Mile Inc. And she is a fine artist and she's been a painter of people for 20 something years. And she can, she does these 3D tattoos. So it's called a medical arrow nip tattoo. So the party is to celebrate that I got that. Okay. Kathy is kind of crazy like me, and people are wondering, will I be walking around topless? No. <laughs> However, Good information for people to know going they in. They know that sweating. I'm bonkers, and I would consider it because I've written about I going mean, to Naked Hot Springs yeah. with these scars. Um, but we are going to have a laptop where you can see before and after, and we did um, kind of used a um, sharpie to show the before and after, and it was it's very significant that what she repaired. I think it's. I am so inspired and excited to know that she's a fine artist and to know that you're using all of this technique and training to do something so life-affirming and fabulous. Absolutely. I love it. And what makes you decide, A, to have a release party, and B... How, how does it, what's the problem? You go up to uh, Marty and you say, hey, we want to rent the makeout room to yeah. have a... Uh- well, we've had parties there for Ziziva. Okay. And I had a party there for Bay Area Young Survivors, and um, which is a group that I'm in. If you're diagnosed before, you're 40 with breast cancer. And uh, they just support the community. And conveniently enough, it's right down the street from where I live. So I can just walk to and from. So that's really why. But it's also, I just love being there. I love the decorations. I love the staff. Oh, no, it's so good. Marty's great. And um, they said no charge. And they're willing to work with whatever. Oh, my gosh. Shout out to the makeout room. That is so fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, they're awesome. That is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I'm not squirming yet. Um, You looked a little squirmy. kind of uncomfortable. I know. I think so, too. (laughs) I do have been quoted on many occasions as saying, I wish the body was full of nougat, but... That's my own cross to bear. Huh. That sounds sticky. And that's not what we're here to talk about. Sure. What we're here to talk about, and actually what I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to organize in my head how to shape back this up. conversation. And I do want to back up because one of the things that I find really interesting about your story is what you've done with this catastrophic event, but also how it's impacted your life as a writer. Before we do that, though, I want to back up to the start of your life as a writer because there's more interesting about that. I think Hmm. that there's chef stuff mixed in there, too. Oh, totally. Yeah. So let's go all the way back. You're a girl in Benicia. You're a sorority girl at Berkeley. Totally. Wait. No. Oh, yeah. You were a sorority girl? Oh, yeah. That's right. I was president of the sorority when I was a junior. Girl to pod 67% Greek right now, Bridget. (laughs) I am so, this is like, like I have so much judgment, obviously. Um, I would never have known that. Hey, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm still in touch with a lot of folks. Yeah, yeah, it's a good community service and scholarships and travel. Right on. And parties. And parties. (laughs) Let's talk about that. I see yeah. same amount of good guys and bad guys as in where, the I know yeah. this is terrible. What, where is Benicia? I know I've heard of it. Benicia's in the East Bay. East it Bay. was the first okay. capital of yes. California. Okay, I knew that. Um, it has a waterfront. It has a waterfront. It's a. It has a waterfront. It's in the East Bay? It's in the East Bay. It's, it's the water. The Carquinez Strait. The yeah. Bay. Oh, yeah. right. It goes yeah. all the way up yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, God, so Humphrey the whale got trapped there, you know, oh, yeah, and yeah, whales yeah. kind of get there. Yeah. It's on your way to the Delta. Got it. But yeah, it's a little, it's a town. It's got a lot of um, artistic folks. and I've definitely heard of it. I had it's not been the there. place where your big wheel got stolen. That's Haleo. Oh, it Correct. is Haleo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But okay, so at this point, you know, I know you did a lot of things besides so being a writer. Oh. Yeah, to get away from the big wheel stealers. Haleo's a rough place. I was little. Yeah, they took our big wheels, and we had been robbed three times, so we moved. Oh, my God. Yeah, my mom was crying, like, like, my my kids are honest, and they stole. And, yeah, so that's why we left. They always say Vallejo's turn in the corner. It is. It's both Distillery is on its way. And um, I don't All I know is I have a friend who posts pictures of the cutest houses in the world. Yeah, it's got a great Victorian downtown. Oh, my gosh. And she's always like, people, you need to start moving here. And I'm like, that looks amazing. They have some good work that they're doing. Yep. Back to Mary's story. Okay. When you came out of Berkeley as president of your sorority, what was the plan? I was working at a casting agency. I was booking um, folks for um, movies and commercials, and that was through my um, 
roommate at the time. And mm-hmm. I didn't really have a plan. I'd been working there uh, my last semester at college and they said, come on by. And it was glamorous and fun, but it wasn't my dream job. I really enjoyed it. And I got to work on the movie Scream with um, Wes Craven and live on set and hang out with Jamie Kennedy by hanging out. Yeah. And like, I mean, kiss, kind kiss of a young people. Yeah. Dream. It was a dream. And yeah. what I felt like to further it, I needed to move to LA yeah. and my, and Nancy Hayes was who I was working for. And she said, I, you do a great job, but I think you should do something with food because you're so knowledgeable about it. And so I was, I ended up doing marketing jobs that ended up, you know, I plan parties or I book um, dinners for folks, things like that. And it was, were you living in the city at the time? I was, yeah. Because I, I, I'm putting the, the the pieces together, and it seems like you were one of those people who graduated and said, "I'm moving to San Francisco." Oh yeah, and I I've had some very interesting, lucky moments, and I um, found an apartment that was really really low rent in um, on Polk Street, right down the street, you know, in Russian Hill, oh, okay. and I got to live. Nice, I nice thought a list Polk Street totally, and I thought I'd have to fight with my roommates who gets to live in this weird room that was built on the top of the roof. And they're like, we don't want to live there. And it was a oh. tiny, it only fit my books and my bed, but I had a view of the Golden Gate Bridge. And so I was party girl, going out all the time, but I just wasn't sure what I really wanted to do. And then I took more marketing jobs. So there was some writing, but I wasn't sure. I, you know, I'd won awards when I was in school, um, but yeah. I'm not sure like what to do. It's so hard to know at that age. Yeah. But I always bring up that moment that everyone seems to share when they come here that there was some time in school when they were recognized for their writing. Yeah, that was put in their head like, yeah, you're pretty good at this. Yeah, I mean, I wrote for the Lion's Roar in third grade, and they would it was science fiction, and um, you know, I was at a Christian school, and so it was a a way to be very creative. My mom was a teacher there, and um, so I always have been a writer. I was the editor of the paper in high school, Um, but I've always been busy too, like overdoing things, you know. Mm -hmm. Which getting diagnosed completely changed that. Oh, I want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. So you're living really a young woman's dream in San Francisco. You're writing about food. What next? I know. When did you start working for SFS? Uh, that was 2002, 2003. I went, I was laid off from a dot com dot gone job in Uh 2001. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, Decided to go to cooking school, so went the, to the California with the express uh, intent yeah, right. of being a food writer. I wanted to go oh, there. You didn't want to be a I chef. did want to be. No way. My brother's a chef, and I was like, I'd like to be able to afford socks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can't. I, I don't want to. I'm not. Harder job, it's really honestly. hard, and I'm stressful. Very stressful, and I've done catering that's extremely stressful, and I've taught cooking, and that's stressful too. But because um, you have to just <laughs> like teach people a recipe you're just looking at right then and there mm. with one hour to prep all the food and everything. I just made chili for 20 people and it was so hard. Oh, yeah? It's chili. It it's was a, it's so awesome you did it. Hard. I, know, I felt really proud of myself yeah. that I did it. But I have <laughs> yeah. to say, realizing what people have done for me in the past yeah. for parties, for whatever, right. I was blown away at how yeah. hard it was. Anyway, carry on. Well, so I, um, I realized it was the right decision to make, but I... Had a breakup with my then boyfriend. We were living together, and this is towards the end of cooking school, and I wasn't sure where I was going to do my internship. And I ended up at the San Francisco Chronicle, which I've been reading since I was whatever age, mm-hmm. very young. Oh, you can do food writing internships? Internship. Yeah. And I was the only intern at the time. They normally have two or three. So I got the lion's share of writing assignments and that is schlepping so cool. food ingredients and helping with the wine tastings and as much as I wanted to do. I would think as far as food internships go, the Chronicle in San Francisco has to be it was great. There, fantastic. It was awesome. Especially the years you were there. Yep. So that's where I got my first professional clips, and that's what fantastic. that sort of segued yeah. into. Yeah. So the they you on your way, and we were talking in our intro before you got here how you were carving out a real nice niche as, well, Bridget said party girl. I said nightlife expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I say that was your niche. I just said you were doing that. Well, tasting menus, Lady Gaga's meat dress, lots of beer coverage, lots of spirits. <laughs> the meat it's, dress falls under food, not entertainment. Right. It's both. It's fun, you know, and and just writing about, um, you know, when people are on TV, um, how everything has changed where people aren't necessarily going into cooking to to serve others or doing it because they want to be on TV. Why Oscar was on Anthony Bourdain's show? No, he was friends with him first. And he told me that when we were like, kind of six months in. That was like a line. And he's like, oh, that's my friend Tony. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? And and he's like, yeah, (laughs) they met at the book expo, which is a really big, exciting um, 
trade show, and it, it alternates which city it's in. But they met at the Book Expo in Chicago right before Tony's book came out, and they stayed up all night talking, and then they hung out the next night. Oh, and then whenever story. whenever Tony came to town, so then I'm like, let's go visit him. And so we went to the Four Seasons and had drinks with him, and he's telling us how in awe he was because the Rolling Stones were, were playing, and they were staying in the same hotel. Yeah. So we would go out with him a lot, mm-hmm. and that's how, yeah, Oscar got on TV. I got, and I ate um, calves brains on TV with Oscar and Tony and I was really glad that they um, had this Japanese beer with it and they t- it, it, I don't mind trying brains I'm, I'd like to I feel like it's my job but stop saying the word brains because then yes. I can't stop right, featuring right. a small a little baby but cow I, I, yes. Bridget's very Agreed. fond of sayings that belong on t-shirts and I think it's my job to try brains <laughs> that'd be a good, a good one t-shirt. T-shirt. I like it I like it's a really good t-shirt yeah yeah so everything's going along swimmingly and you are, as we said, one of the top four literary power couples in wow. uh, San Francisco. I know. <laughs> Larry had a whole rating system. Rating All the system. books you can read. All that's nice. That's what you get. Yeah. I know because just because there's no money doesn't mean there's no work. Right. That's our new that's motto. Another oh, I like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. You know what? It's um, We have – we're very <laughs> – I was about to say the word blessed, but I hate that. But it is um, <laughs> we, feeling blessed. No, yeah, but it's um, yeah. Oscar's worked very hard, and exactly. uh, he says exactly. yes to any community group or writing group or exactly. the whoever needs help. He's he's more than willing to help. Absolutely, and I am well, sometimes, well but I say no more than he does. <laughs> but I want to hear about that because you know I can learn to say no. Uh, yeah, I'm having a hard time. Well, at the risk of. Being the guy in the room, you know, how much of your no is due to the fact that you're mothers? It's ingrained. And, uh, well, so I've being diagnosed has changed a lot. And so Gabor Matei is a doctor who's written about it. And I wrote about learning how to say no because when I was sick, I had to learn how to say no because I couldn't physically walk. I was that weak. So I was forced to say no. And people would still ask the same things of me. And as I got better, well, I physically look better. So I should be able to go back to the old hustle bustle. But I just, it's, it's learning to say no. It's a process. You say no and you give excuses usually from my experience. Right. And then That's what I do. it turned into um, now it's just no thank you or I'd like to help, but I can't. Yeah. That's and a good it's line. very I'd, hard. I'd like to help because that shows you see them and you acknowledge of them course. they have a need. Of course. And you and me personally, I thought, well, they're not going to ask again. But it comes down to not being lo- not feeling loved. Right. <laughs> they're of not going to love me anymore, like right. me anymore. And like with work, they're just like whatever. They don't like moving on. That's right. fine. You can't do right. it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. I actually have the opposite problem. I'm trying to teach myself to say yes. Ah, I've been in that place in my life too. Yeah. I really have. I have a little saying for you then that I've learned. Can it fit on a T-shirt. Yes. If not now, when. Right. And that came for me with being diagnosed, but also with Trump being elected. I was like, if I'm not going to protest now, when will I protest? If I'm not going to write this searing essay about these jerks that want to take away our health care, when will I do What's it? What's it going to take? That's a good I have question. to do it yeah. now. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Well, rather than talk about now, let's go back into the past. What I'm interested in is take, take us back to a month before your diagnosis. What were your career goals then? I'm mm, plugging away. You know, I'll be honest. I was also doing some event planning, and so it was a split, and I wasn't willing to give writing the time that it deserved, mm-hmm. and I was content to continue with that and and show up for my kids' world as well, but um, to keep doing food coverage. But I wasn't. It's hard and it's frustrating because there's only so many places you can write for. And I don't necessarily – at that time, I didn't have a cookbook in me, and I don't think that I do mm. then. And you've pretty much covered I – mean, more than anyone else who's been in here, I think, you have written for more local publications. Mm-hmm. I mean, every every possible outlet, sure. I think, locally you've yeah. written for. Being, well, so being diagnosed really opened that up because I felt like because well, also I couldn't eat the same foods. That's what changed. I was wondering about that's that. That's what changed. People, and also people started bringing me food, and they, a lot of them are healthier cooks. I was used to these tasting menus that are yeah. extremely rich. Oh, right. You know, pizza Half was brains. yeah, pizza was a beat. I was covering, and so right. were burgers. I was on a burger beat, and I also oh God, report like on caffeine. Dream. I know. Could you get me on yeah. that beat? Yeah. So it's a ton <laughs> of fun beat. to just be like you know yeah. these places that do like a burger. Yeah. 
with a shot and a beer. That's a dream place that's, to yeah, me, or was at the time. I know this woman who ate a whole pizza yesterday while she was writing. I love it. It was me. <laughs> How was it? Uh, you know, it was one of those. That was it a leftover pizza? No, no. I made the pizza, then I ate it. Uh, this is the thing. One of the reasons I need to work at the grotto is otherwise I stress eat the entire day on carbs. Ah, mm-hmm. got it, got and it. I had my yeah, whole refrigerated. So yeah, so th- that was fun. It was fine. The pizza was fine. I got met my deadline, but I spent twelve hours in a chair, and in that time, oh. you can't imagine how many Ugh. bread. Yeah. Products I ate. Right. It was amazing. Bagels, whole pizza. Incredible. The list was really staggering. I said it to Larry when I was in the middle wow. of freaking out. Nice. Uh, so you're sailing along. You know, you're facing yeah. the, the ins and outs of a normal life and yeah. you're building a life and yep. you have a young child. Yep. And then you're hit with this. Right. Ugh. And so we, I started treatment immediately, and the way I started writing about it, the, the, the thing that changed was that, um, you know, with people coming over to bring food... there's this tool called Meal Train. I highly recommend it when you have a bad situation and you want or need help. So I would update them. Hey, this this thing happened, or I'm getting this procedure, or the chemo's going along. But it was also to to kind of stop people or to answer them when they're Mm -hmm. texting me, how are you doing? Because I don't really know how to answer that even now. Mm -hmm. Right. And then... Laura Frazier from here in the grotto said, have you ever thought of writing for the uh, O Magazine or writing a book? I was like, tell me more. No, I'm wow, not that ambitious. Never thought of those things? No, no. Wow, wow. Because- how, far, how far into your illness was that? Early, like three months, yeah. I'd say. And then it was a mini writers who were reading it and editors and folks that work right, in the industry. Are those are my people. So, can we back up a little bit? So when you were first diagnosed, I'm really interested in how... That, uh, how you receive that and the amount of time between your diagnosis and you felt like time to keep on living. Oh, I decided to keep on living right away okay. because I can't wonder, I can't sit and wonder why. So you I weren't guess. down for the count. That, that, yeah. That's so why? And also, I mean, it was caught early-ish, mm-hmm. you know, and so it was... It was kind of a rosy outlook. So it was kind of like, this is going to be the worst year of your life or the worst year and a half, but you will get through it. Okay. But what's not explained to patients is that the internal uh, upheaval that, um, you know, uh, my strength is still low and mm-hmm. um, my the ability, physical the physical upheaval is hard because people assume, well, you're out of treatment. So you're good, right? Yeah, That's what great. everyone wants to hear. Yes. I'm great, regardless of whether it's an illness or having a parent pass away. They just want, they don't really want to dig deep and talk about that because it's very uncomfortable. What about the people around you? I mean, what, did you ever find yourself buoying their spirits? Yes. And that's and also how uh, people react to the diagnosis. I had mm-hmm. close family members say, basically arguing with me, telling me I wasn't diagnosed. I'm like, no, I actually have a doctor who said, and then a good friend, the same thing. Just kind of vomiting information to me about who it's the instinct of, um, well, so-and-so got cured and da-da-da-da-da, and you should talk to this. And it it really does show how does someone solve a problem based on how they respond to something Mm -hmm. like that. And I think one of the hardest things for people, I know it's hard for me, and one of the things I work on literally every day is just being quiet. And I know that seems impossible right now, but to just be quiet and listen to people and just be like, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Here I am. Yeah. Like that's a masterful place. Right. Right. It is true. Any sort of trauma, you can see people, you can almost see it on their face when you deliver some bad Mm -hmm. news. You can see them processing like, how how do I frame this? How can I be helpful? What can I do? There's yeah. also an American impulse, I think, like, don't be sad, don't be sad, don't Correct. be sad, yeah. don't be Correct. sad. It's okay, it's all right. It's okay. Right. Um, that we, and we do it internally, too. Right. Uh, that's a, it's, it just makes it so hard for right. the person who's dealing with it. I think so. Um, but uh, can I just say, everything that you've no. said so far, I want to anyway, is there are things I would want to be able to reference if I got a difficult diagnosis or if I had a friend who did. So... This book idea is hugely valuable to other people. Can you talk about that a little bit? So it's called The Wig Report, and that's based on those emails. And it's with Don Asmussen. He's an AP cartoonist. cartoonist, So he's done um, 
What did he do? He has a couple of books that yeah. are hilarious, and he's, he's, day, in, he's in the Chronicle and yeah. AP, yeah, yeah, San Francisco Chronicle. So he and I decided to, because he is on the Wig Report uh, mm-hmm. emails, he was getting them, and I just decided, hey, why don't we do a book together? Would you do the illustration? Sure. So he's now the co-author, and I'll be honest, we're shopping it to... Uh, we have a writer friend who her agent was looking at it. I don't think that agent is going to do it. So next I'm going to send it. It's a, it's a dilemma because people say, I can't believe it's not published yet. I can't believe that. And it's kind of like, I know me too, but I got to keep moving on yep. it and just yep. send it to the next agent or possibly do it on ink shares or talk to other authors who have done it that way. You know, how challenging is it when you write a book that is about, this sort of defining experience of your life that's that's very deep and traumatic to have it then have to sort of run the gamut of any old book. You know, is there any added yeah. feeling where you're like, wait a minute, this is like my blood and guts on the page here? Uh, I, that's fine. I mean, that's how it goes, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, it's more I'm not worried about, like, I talk about being constipated and having mm-hmm. diarrhea in the same hour and how I'd like maybe Beyonce to sing to me while I'm in the bathroom, stuff like that, because... I wanted to read this when I was sick because mm. people smart. kept giving me books that had glowing candles on it or referenced Jesus or were a lot more somber and right. kind of just these catchphrases that are just supposed to make me feel better. Right. I wasn't getting what I needed. So th- it's it's what I wish I had. You know, we want to redo Walgreens where there's Papasan chairs and there's a concierge to turn the lights down, you know, or maybe he's like the, the manager just to make things funny, like to point out the very funny mm-hmm. things that continue to happen. Right. But they're also heartbreaking too. And that's fine. And, uh, you know, I didn't expect to have the hots for the medical staff, but I did. It's like they're wiping my butt and they're not looking at their cell phones while I talk to them. And they're, they seem so, you know, they're doing, <laughs> they're doing their job. But the one surgeon, you know, who did the, um, the reconstruction, he's extremely handsome. He has male fans and female fans, and he's so good at what he does. And it's like... When you say fans, you mean like on Instagram? There's other people on Yelp that like him, and they're like, he's so attentive and great. And I was like, no, I'm the I only one. Yeah, I'm a, the only one that likes him. Mary made a very hurt face when she said I, I was very hurt, but it was a reason to put on makeup. I had no eyebrows. Right. I had no hair. I had little kids at my son's school saying like, show us your bald head. And I'm like, that's not nice to say, you know? And it's really uncomfortable to have like little kids wanting mm. to, but yeah, not having eyelashes and it's weird. But I mean, that's the side of it where I feel like, come on, we got to get this out to people. Yeah, like, right. like, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. And I, and I do think we're living in a great time where you can make that happen for sure. I think so. It's yeah. just keeping at it. And yeah. so the party is part of, of that tomorrow night to just celebrate. Hey, thank you. You've been with me for so long. You've listened to all these stories. You knowing that people read it and like it and the, and that right. their fellow writers a lot right. of the time are that they understand, you know. Can you say a little bit? Because, uh, of course, this is going to come out after the party. Mm-hmm. Yes. But what if people want to support what you're doing or want to know, like, I am a patron? Yes. Um, so I get a little inside scoop, I think once a week, maybe even more yeah, often. Yeah. Um, it's really a great way to keep up with your story, but also hear what's going on. So I decided to sign up with Patreon.com, and it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and it's new-ish from like last year. And it's people can be my patron as low as a dollar a month. And so that's like getting an inside scoop. You get kind of some of the meat of the book or what, yeah, right. what's currently happening. It, right. It's kind of uh, divided up into grief or, um, you know, like I sometimes can't cross the street uh, before the, the light turns, that sort of thing. But it's humorous, but just um, kind of, well, what's, what's, what happens the later, the after it's, I'm and still it's, going. And it's a way of people having sort of, it's like buying a book, but you're directly supporting the writer. Yes. It's and, fantastic. And I get a percentage of it. And I'll be honest, I signed up because I've had people help me with my medical bills. And then yeah. they want to continue helping me. And I can't, I'm not good at setting deadlines for myself yeah. and, and continuing to blog. And so this seemed like a good way to continue to write. And as a patron, you get to read the stuff before everybody else. And then there's some content, some of my writing that's locked. Mm-hmm. And you get to read that because you spend $12 a year mm-hmm. or, I mean, the levels go up to $20 a month. And there are folks, I'm shocked that anyone would want to spend. I am. But I've had people say, like, is that the highest? And I'm like, I always forget, oh, you know, so it's a 
later, right, like, right. I don't make as much as, you know, some other people. And so right. I'm not used to people wanting to support art and writing that way. The, the but member, they do. The right. membership right. stretches out into infinity, though? It's an annual thing. Okay. Yeah. Once it's a year, every tw- once a year. Yeah. Yeah. But it it's an automatic. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of people do it. Um, Maria Popova on Brain Picker does it. I'm that's the only one that comes to mind right now. But you know, if you believe in someone's work, if you believe in their content, it's the best possible way you can support an artist of yeah. any kind. Yep. To, that they can keep doing their work and that you can feel like you're part of their work. I think it's fantastic. Yep. I love it. It is like a little a little Kickstarter for yep. writers. Yeah. Except it's not for like a specific project. Right. It's just an ongoing. Yeah. Ongoing. Which and kind of makes it fun. The yeah. project is your career. Well, yeah. yeah and you just set different and goals, and I, you know, I'll send a postcard to people at a certain level, and then I'll have writing Q and A, so they can email questions. Things like that. So if someone's interested in the writing aspect, there's that too. Right. So say you are a uh, an up-and-coming writer listening to this program, for example, mm-hmm. and you would like to have contact with a professional writer. This might be a way that you start to have contact, right? Yep. You find out about things, find out what's going on in the writing community, you're following a local writer, and maybe it's something where you can begin to engage with them one-on-one. I think it's great. And content-wise, is it basically like you're creating publication and you have subscribers? Yes, Interesting. And oh, you yeah, can do video. There's a lot of folks on there that mm-hmm. are just video folks. Mary's a big fan of video. She looked in <laughs> the grotto pod and the first thing she said was, you should get a camera in here. <laughs> you guys should do a video. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, I just know that there's enough people that are that, that love that it, instead isn't of... is amazing that yeah. that R is? I don't know what the correct yeah. grammar the is there, but that there are so many people who like to watch podcasts. People sit right. there and talk to each other, yeah. That's so weird to me. I know. Yeah. Because what I like about podcasts is that I can do other stuff right. while I listen. Like t- get texts? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I thought you meant while making a podcast. Oh, I wasn't get- getting a text. I was looking to make sure that my phone was off. Oh, so you would. Yeah, uh, that was, but that was old Bridget. It. That was early, nascent, early stages of the Grotto Pod sure, Bridget who would sure. get texts. And I like, see. What is that? It just depends okay. on if my kids are texting Oh, does it me. ding? It make noise? No, Mine no. Dings. Larry's uh, dings, but he complains uh, about me. Isn't that strange? Because I don't get texts very often. <laughs> I don't have very many but patrons. I have my kids, you know, texting me saying, like, is there more cereal? And I gotta, I gotta see what's happening. When got it. Comes oh, through. There you go. Your How? child child situation, one or two? One. One yeah. age? Ten. Ten. Yeah. Oh, good age. Right yeah. Well, they're always, they're all good ages. They're all great. Well, they're when they're really bad. little, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. I found it hard. I liked it. Back to Mary. Okay. Um, that was still Mary, because we're talking about kids. Yeah, that's true. Um, so one of the things we talked about in our intro was how this experience changed you as a writer and changed your focus as a writer. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, am I right in assuming that you feel like you're sort of coming out of the physically most difficult part of this yes. experience? Yes. Where does that leave you as a writer moving forward? I mean, obviously it would be hard to not be changed. Yes. Especially considering you've been doing different kind of work. Right. So what happens now? I've listened to other folks at the grotto and started writing essays Mm. I've, um, the food writing is probably 10 to maybe 10%. Food and travel writing is 10% of my work or it's less. Are you at full enjoying food strength again? Yeah, but I I just, I can't, I have ongoing problems with my eyes. So when I eat pizza, which I love, I get in trouble. When I eat a lot of dairy, then it's, so when I eat the foods that I used to, my body tells me, um, they dry out really bad and it's hard to see and they, or they get, it's just really uncomfortable and it's ongoing. It's like a manageable condition, quote unquote, but it's from the chemo Interesting. and other patients didn't know about it. So I've gone back to my eye doctor as well as the oncologist are like, we had no idea. Um, so I want to tell more stories like that. And I've also, yeah, yeah, yeah. no one knows it. And profiling, um, folks who have similar conditions, HIV or, um, Mm -hmm. uh, diabetes, just, and also folks that are grieving. So I'm trying to write as much um, about that for folks as possible and and using, um, you know, I, I because Vanessa Waugh is a friend and um, I decided to apply for the Litquake uh, essay contest and I won first place. I would never have done that without the Grotto. There's no way. So good. I would never have applied. But I'm just applying for other things like that and trying to be kind of a health and wellness person. Not necessarily goop health and wellness, but the, the nitty gritty stuff and writing for even companies that um, help people, that help mm-hmm. patients, you know, if it's a hospital and they want a newsletter written, things like that. 
Do you feel like you found a niche that no one was filling before? I think eh, there's. Pro- I'm sure there's others doing it, but it not with humor. That was for my, my personal stuff. The humor and kind of graphic, mm-hmm. and it makes people uncomfortable. It's being done, but it's not enough that enough of us hear it and, and get the message and have, feel comfortable with have it. Have you had any pushback? Oh, <laughs> some folks just say like, don't put pictures of your nipple tattoos. They don't want to see it, but they Disagree. want, they want to send money for me to do it, but they don't want. And it's like, well, that's what your business. I, could, I, I want, I would like to know what it's like. It doesn't have to be yours, but right. I can't picture it really. It'll all, well, Kathy from Final Mile Inc. tomorrow will have that. And then It'll eventually I will be able to put it on Patreon so that you can see, because I also think people that, um, that's the final step for folks that isn't talked about as much, getting this tattoo, knowing that it's available, knowing right. that generally your insurance can will cover it. Um, oh, I, I think I said in the intro, insurance did not cover it. So that is not. Oh, yeah, it can did. be covered. Yeah, okay. it can be covered. That's important um, correction. But it's, a lot of patients aren't don't want to be prodded. They don't want to go through a one and yet, yet another thing. And I don't understand why anyone would get a tattoo for fun. It is really painful. I don't have a lot of... Um, I was going to say, right there, though, there's not... A, there's yeah. The skin's thin, right? I know. Yeah. I think that is like a painful here. place. Right. And I can't... I've lost sensitivity from the... Because the, my breasts are made out of my stomach. So the fat oh, and the again. skin hasn't, you know... So the nerve endings aren't there. They m- never come back. So for Got a lot it. of it, I'd say it was fine. But then she'd hit a point where it's like, ah! I don't understand. And she does use, there's three different kinds of anesthesia. So just learning about that, telling Kathy's story as well. Be, you know, oh, I just want to so do more of that. And then the occasional essay of, of stuff that's um, resist, you know, <laughs> because I... Um, do you think it politicized you? Uh, yeah, I think it made me more willing to um, put my name on something that um, the essay I wrote um, about healthcare, it was on Medium. I couldn't sell it quick enough to an editor and I needed, you know, Congressman Mo Brooks to know like there's actually people behind um, who will be very hurt and will die, (laughs) will die quicker because of your decisions. And so I was more than willing to put my name and to later see how much it was shared at different publications Mm -hmm. in Alabama, in places where they might not have someone willing to put their face to it. So a sense of urgency and a a sense of purpose and a point of view that you may not have had before. Correct. What were your feelings about healthcare before this? Just standard... You know, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, and I, I, you know, yeah, not, like, not, it's real. Not as gung, yeah. not as, um, not as willing to dive into the details of, of which how p- different populations have been affected and um, what it'll mean when they don't have their medication or you know for so many different uh, normal everyday things. You know, we, none of us expect this to happen. No, to no. which is in which terms is of illness, ridiculous. Like, yeah, I mean, most of us are going to face. Something catastrophic Correct. in our lifetime. And man, it is such the human condition to not want to think like that. Right. But that's why a book like yours, I mean, what it, it's it's like a little sugar with the bitter pill. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. To read a, a story that's compelling, told with humor and with graphic insight mm-hmm. um, that also makes you a little forearmed. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also it's... Um, one of my friends, Amy Sherman, <laughs> she's supported me for a long time and she's a writer and she said, but I feel like when I read the wig report, it's you're you're still bringing the party element. So yeah, I'm not yeah. necessarily yep. a party girl as much, obviously, but yeah, I am. You know, I've been throwing parties mm-hmm. since I was 14. So, um, or younger, actually, I was throwing them in kindergarten, like organizing kids. It's, I want, a let's get every big wheel. <laughs> <laughs> right? But let's bring people together and, you know. And share it. Yeah, be a part of it. Because I'll be honest, there were times during chemo where I didn't, a lot of people wanted to drive with me for some reason. And I really savored that time to be by myself. Mm -hmm. And mainly, it was just to like, (laughs) look through uh, People Magazine and be like, pretty, pretty, or Fashion (laughs) Magazine, because I can't read bigger chunks of text. But yeah, to just rest and recuperate. But also, I didn't. It was kind of vulnerable. It was too much. Like I didn't even want Oscar. I'm like, don't. I'm good. You don't have to go with me. A lot of people do like to have people with them. Yeah. 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 It, it seems to be sort of the go-to for friends of the person afflicted. Yeah. You know what? What can I do? I can take you there. Sure. You know, I can be there. What I would like would be for someone to park. Yeah. You know, park. I, I feel like dealing with the Drop car situation yeah. is hard. Right. Yeah. 
And then after I wanted to drink, you know, talking about the water cup, um, a gallon of water and just crawl into a cave for a day and not have anybody just like swaddle my head so I can't hear anything and just... You know, with events and catering, I used to feel like um, normally after a 12-hour, 14-hour day that I've been run over by a semi. Mm -hmm. That's normal. That's Mm -hmm. what we do. Um, But chemo, that's what it's like. But the thirst was really surprising on just how thirsty I would be and just not really wanting to eat anything. How was it with your son? Because that's a very hard thing to say, I need you to not be around me. Oh, he got to watch so much more TV. I know, he would like just that. like, like wa- yeah, he, yeah, he liked it because he could just lay in bed with me. We watched yeah. Scooby Doo, Batman, kind of stuff that's from oh. the seventies and eighties. Yeah. He got way more pizza, um, and he got a lot of play dates because people would say, yeah. "Well, what can I do?" And if it's yeah. someone that I'm like, "Well, you seem like you're not going to hurt my child," <laughs> and my kid likes your kid, so yeah. will you take my kid, you know, yeah. and. Sometimes that was what I wanted is just, uh, can you just take Oscar and sip so that they'll have something to do? And so I can just get used to the idea that I want to watch Netflix and zone in and out and fall asleep. And we bought a super couch so I could do that. I was going to ask about getting used to the idea. I know that you were physically probably incapable of doing anything else, but mentally, was it hard to downshift and let yourself go, hey, I can I can sit here. I don't have to do anything. It's really hard to give myself permission to... Mm, not watch a wonky documentary about right. <laughs> drug policy. You know, yeah. it's like, well, I want to watch this. There was some, there at the time, uh, Netflix had this really, to me, funny werewolf thing, but there was a lot of people without clothes on, and I just watched that. And But to, I had to give myself permission. Like, it's okay to want to watch that and fall asleep and wake back mm-hmm. up. And, fall, and, and stuff that I won't remember the storyline, I won't be able to talk about it <laughs> in any cohesive way, but I must relax. And how did you train yourself not to think in terms of deadlines? Like you were probably so used to hitting deadlines before that. Yeah. And then no deadlines for a while. I think I could have used some deadlines though. Really? I would still turn in stuff, but I, it was, it, there weren't crazy deadlines at all. It was mm-hmm. my workload went so low and any time. Yeah, no, I still turn stuff in, but it wasn't a rush or anything. Yeah, it was you, good to have something to focus on besides the cancer. Yeah. But can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, for a lot of people who are freelancers, getting sick is, that's seriously yeah. Yeah, scary financially, right? And and maybe no paycheck. And right. how did you manage those things? Were you able, did you have relationships with editors where you could plot it out a little bit? Yeah, or? no, I would just plot it out and they were happy to um, whatever I wanted to turn in when I wanted to. So That's I just awesome. dialed it way down yeah. and then it's a six week recovery time for the mastectomy. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't do anything then. Um, and then one editor, my editor at KQED, Wendy Goodfriend said, I'm sorry this happened to you. But I'm also really happy because the writing you're doing now, I never knew this side of you because it was more oh, of the, yeah. the, the, the nitty-gritty stuff but the humor. You know, I think that's what I've been trying to get to this whole podcast is did this illness bring something out like that that you didn't know you had in you as a writer? Correct. I and didn't. then what do you do with that? Right. Uh, just listen when people say nice things like that and listen when people send me leads like you should write this for this publication. Mm-hmm. I, my, I have a couple of friends that will do that. And it's like, what? And I would, I would never think of that for myself and just being way, way more open and not thinking of myself as a writer just for San Francisco publications, but why not try and send something to Vogue? Um, totally. Why not try and send it to whatever, you know, totally. even if it's something that, well, I don't know that publication, but okay, sounds good. Do they pay their writers on time or? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's the difference in, I don't want to say brain power, but just sort of structuring something you're working on now, a point of view essay versus something about food, these things you used to do. Does it take more brain power to take different muscles? It's quicker. It it's quicker, quicker for the essays. It's quicker. Wow, I am so surprised. It's a lot that. quicker. Huh, because, I thought it could go either way. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot quicker. I think it's something I didn't know I had, mm. and it's ready to come out. And it, it's uh, I don't go to therapy, and yet it's therapeutic. But it's it come it it, it it's it's quicker. And has it been fun learning that form? Yeah, it's it has. Although I did do. Uh, this one publication said, okay, well, we only do, I really wanted to write for this publication. So I found them and I bought 
past issues and research it, da 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 da. And they're like, this okay, this is how you do it, friends. This is how you do it. And I have a spreadsheet. It's an Excel spreadsheet. It tracks every pitch I do, and then there's a second tab that uh, once it's assigned, rejected or ignored. So it's almost oh. always rejected, ignored. But but you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this publication said, sure, we, that sounds interesting, and uh, we only do it on spec. And then oh. I did it, and I, I spent time. That one yeah, was hard. That was tougher because yeah. I felt like, gosh, I've never done anything on spec. So that means they're not going to say yes until I give it to them. Mm-hmm. So I did, and it was just they a couple of days. Yes and she said, time. we don't have the editorial muscle to like, – she made it sound like a train wreck, but it was – I had turned in what they asked for, but yeah. I did, then decided it's not for them. That's okay. I did sell it to someone else. I felt like, well, that's – they yeah. had the it, editorial muscle. To, they didn't have that. They didn't even do that many edit. You know, I felt yeah. like it wasn't. Right. But it's very hard not to go into a spiral of self-doubt. Right. But instead, the, the spreadsheet is easy because it's like, okay, next. What's next? Because there's a the column thing. like, well, then who are the ideas for other publications? Can I ask you, did you set up this spreadsheet yourself? Did you have a template you used of someone else's? How did you come up with the concept? So it goes back uh, Tamara Palmer and Amy Sherman. We have – we've done a couple of pitch fests and they're writers. They're food writers mm-hmm. and they – they told me, stop doing events, stop it. And it took mm-hmm. me two years to listen. But anyway, Amy had a template or, and so she shared brilliant. it with me and it's already set up and it's, it's so easy, you know, and it's just. That's plug- a good nuts and bolts for Yeah, writers. I know. So good. I love that idea of having a spreadsheet with yeah. the next tab. The next tab yeah. and also the date. And so I check yeah. myself, you know, on, well, when did I send it? And then I'd like to say I'm pitching five days a week. I'm not, but it's mm-hmm. probably twice a week, that's three a times lot. a week, and that's way more than I was. And this is yeah. just a last year kind of development. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to support each other and, and talk through ideas. And so we all had our version of the spreadsheet. And and then, well, well who, have you thought of this person? You know, because Amy does some travel writing too, and then Tamara does music. So it's helping each other with ideas on who next. And we're all in the Binders, which is a Facebook group of women writers. I believe that's secret. And it's, so, I'm, anymore, if, it's I'm not not. Supposed, if I'm not supposed to talk about it, then was it I hope I don't get kicked out. Was it inspired by Mitt Romney? Yes. Yes. Okay. So maybe I can't say any more except it's been wonderful. Yeah. And if you're female, you should do it. Yeah. If you are female and are interested, you can. Female identifying. Con- yes. Female identifying, you can contact one of us. Yeah. Definitely. But not me. No. Because you're, well, oh. do you have anything you want to tell us? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to just go back to that smoky lounge where you guys hang out. Oh, yeah. Golf. That's right, man. Just watch the game, play some golf. That's right. Pass along your insider tips to each other. Yeah. Uh, do all kinds of bodily functions and, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoke cigars, drink scotch, Grow your beards. all the manly arts. Play poker. Anything else? Are there giant remotes there? There have to be a lot of remote controls if it's manly arts. It's hard because we tend to fight over them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's really hard, it's hard to decide who gets dude. to use the remote. Right. Um, <laughs> you guys totally derailed me. I, 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 had, a, I, had, a real, I had a real question. A real, let's hear. Let's hear. Um, and it's about the writing process because this is a... Pitching? No, no, no. It, I, Editors? I, I, shoot. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, right. I would well, say that it's also been, you know, in the grotto, helpful to read. Well, what is all boats are lifted? That's something that's right. Uh, that's right. Whoever says all the time, mm-hmm. but Oscar has said that enough. Where I hear it, that if you right. have a book, well, right. then maybe I could have a book. 100%. If you pitch to such and such right, editor right. or an agent, then I can too. You know, when you were saying, um, I thought I was just a, maybe a San Francisco writer. It yeah, didn't really occurred to me the biggest thing that ever happened to me was going to grad school in New York mm-hmm. because in New York, everyone knows that's like the center of the universe. Right? Uh, right. You could be a New York writer. Right. Right. And so when I saw people around me doing things, yeah. I was able to just go, well, they're, if they're doing it, why not me? Why not me? Sure. And to just carry that through has been huge for me. And I think the grotto definitely gives that. Like you look around so many people in completely different arenas, yeah. really doing super it cool stuff. Yeah. It definitely demystifies. It demystifies. Right. And also it demystifies it, and it makes you realize, like, it's just people who yeah. are doing this. That's right. But it's I actually people. thought you were intentionally being a San Francisco writer. I think it was just working for me. and Yeah, making a living. I 
hadn't really. You, I did. I had my first clip actually in the Washington Post, and that and that was a story about Lamb. And but generally, I just wor- wrote for folks that I. It was kind of who I knew too, mm-hmm. and it, it worked, mm-hmm. which and, is the easiest way. Yeah, and I would try. I still would love to write for Sunset Magazine. That's a Bay Area publication, but it's a national one. Did they close? No, no, they just moved their. Yeah, they moved, uh, they moved to Oakland. Offices. No, I yeah. know, but I had heard recently that they were. Done. Okay, that's Mm-mm. good to hear. Mm-mm. I'm super glad to hear that. We have a dear friend named Lee Kravitz. Yes. Whose first book was about people who survived traumas, then sort of super survivors. It's not as it's not as simple as a new lease on life, mm-hmm. but it seems like these people a new were, take on life. Yeah, were sort of propelled forward mm-hmm. by their traumas rather than just sort of picking up where they left off. Do you find that that's true for you or is it turning out to be true for you or is it too early to tell? It's true. Absolutely. And it, I know that it's true because folks will send me their aunt or their whoever. Can you talk to them? Can they email you? Can they read your stuff? And so that's it's awesome. be- becoming, you know, an expert on these health a health crisis, how to how to move forward. Just you know keep what going. Lee calls that? Thought leader. A thought leader. I get. I think I'm more of a joke leader, but <laughs> but I can I do. It. I like. Yeah, I mean, sure, because it's. Yeah, I mean, providing a sense of support for folks, no matter where they are or what their age is or their background, and because I will tell you, it is very hard. Night times are very hard, mm. particularly with medical bills, the unknown, and at no moment there's like a why me? What did I do? I dotted like a sparkly makeup, too many beers, too many burgers. <laughs> but then it turned out, and it was just genetic. There's yeah. nothing I can do. Right. It's genetic. And being in online, you know, being in base has helped me as well because it's um, there's over 500 women, and we email each other, and it's like it's you don't really know. I mean, I'll never know. Do you think right. there's other women who could fill this niche that you're now filling, but don't have the tools? Aren't writers? Absolutely. People who just have faced it with that same sort of humor, uh, the same sort of point of view. I, I would say most of the women that I know that I've mm-hmm. met in Bays, and there's another one called Young Survivor Coalition, they they do help each other. I'll tell you on Facebook. And, and, and they reach out to each other and support each other and mentor each other. And how hungry are they for a book like yours? Very. Yes. I, know. I, I, I mean, national. come on. There yeah. is because, well, I mean, you, nothing, you mentioned. Uh, there's some, yeah. People aren't talking about diarrhea, really, you know. As they should. Having the hots for the doctor. There's That's some, what Larry there's some elements that are, you know, Having not. The for the doctor. That's yeah. definitely a T-shirt. There's like Right. A, um, you, know, you mentioned uh, Gabor Mate. Is that how yeah. you say his name? Yep. Who does a lot of writing about addiction also. Yep. And it just seems, I mean, I just, it's, it, it seems to me that what you're talking about, it's not just about cancer. Right. I mean, it's about so many life of ending experiences, right? right. And, there, I mean, come on, there is an audience for this. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's just a matter of there haven't been a lot of funny cancer how-to right. experience yeah. this stories. And that's why sometimes publishers, agents have a hard time seeing what it is. Yeah. But once it pokes through that yep. point, I, I do think there's just a huge um, – population who would get a lot out of your work. Yeah. I mean, with the pushback we all, we get with, with our book proposal or when talking to agents, well, you're a, whim, you're a female writer. I'm like, yeah, that's why I brought Dawn on. He's awesome. Look at his, right. his illustrations. Or it'd be like, oh, this is a cancer book. I'm like, ah, it's actually kind of funny. It, it is very funny. And it's like, think of Tina Fey and Lena yeah, Dunham and, and things like that. It's, it's just uh, explaining. It's actually but, more of a humor book. There's that book. Uh, and it was a play. And God said, ha. Huh? Do you know that? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I remember what her name is, but it's funny. It's about cancer. Yeah. It's about... Um, it was um, yeah. Saturday Night Live person. Yeah. Julia Sweeney. Yeah, right. Julia Sweeney. That's hilarious. And Tig Nataro, oh, you know, right. doing her right. comedy. So right. it's... She's... Yeah. Uh, there are folks that are doing so it. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, there is. There is. But making the leap, that can be hard. Making the leap. Speaking of leaps, or yeah. not speaking of leaps, we're out of time. Oh. I am so, so enjoyed. Thank you so much. I listen all the time. And Okay. Yay. And you have lots of... Links and things that people need tell to us, know. Tell us, tell oh, us, Mary Lad. Okay. How they can be patrons. Patreon.com backslash Mary Lad. Okay. Lad has two Ds. Yeah. And and they can see the Wig Diaries online too, right? Or the parts, Wig Report. Wig yep, WigReport.com. 
we'll probably change it to Wig Diaries, but that was that was one agent that told us to do that. So Wig, Wig Report is the is the website, and that's yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. You got a little Twitter action going on? No, no Twitter no action. No Twitter, no Instagram, Proudly. no gracias, no thanks. Good for you. That's a awesome. I stopped doing that, and yeah. I'm. Uh, sometimes texter and I'm totally weird. I put my phone in the drawer on Saturdays and sometimes Sundays too. All day. Turned off. Done. And um, my son doesn't understand and Oscar definitely doesn't understand but it's, you know, I definitely play the cancer card with that because it's like, nope. Don't want it to come back. Because, Especially because Oscar's so good on Twitter. Well, yeah. Oscar, like me, needs warrior score, so I understand. Right. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah, it doesn't serve me anymore and I know yeah, that I'm I one of... Uh, I'm like, a, there's folks enjoy it, but it's not for me anymore. I can't do it. I was really active. I had a high clout score, all that. But I don't have to take pictures of food anymore. So, yeah. And I don't want to be online as much. So, And it's exhausting. It is exhausting. It takes a it lot out of you. I get too much fear of missing out and too mm-hmm. uh, thinking about people by. I don't want to think about anymore. You know, know it's like who cares what so and so is doing. And yeah. Exactly. Messes with my head sometimes Bridget, for sure. Yes. What if people want to know more about you? Oh, I can't imagine after all this time that they do. But should they? They can find me on Twitter at BeQuintrist or Instagram, same, or at BridgetQuintAuthor.com. And if you haven't bought Broad Strokes yet. Oh, yeah, buy that. You must. You've got to buy it. you got to have it. People are going to walk into your house. They're not going to see it. They're going to go, what is wrong with this person? Are they not sophisticated? Amaze your Do they friends. not care about art? <laughs> I got mine right there in the living room. Also, me too. Open to Me the too. signature page. Oh, you do? By the way, I know her. Oh, no, cool. I don't have it open because the cover's so nice. It you is, don't wanna, yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah. Chronicle, yeah. so good. Uh, and if you can't get enough of me, of course, you can go to uh, isitgoodforthejews.com and hear my other podcasts. You can find me on Twitter, at that Larry Rosen. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Instagram? Same deal. Yep. As for us here at the Grotto Pod, you can email us at grottopod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at the Grotto Pod. And of course, grottopod.com is our website. Who wow, that helps was us uh, put this thing on here? I'm glad you asked. We want to thank our producers, Lori Ann Doyle, Beth Weingarner, and Lee Kravitz. Lee Kravitz, mm-hmm. already mentioned. And yep. since you've already got the mic, why don't you uh, say something else that'll make us go home happy? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to Sugartown, who does the great tunes. And I want to say read, write, and just keep working. 